welcome to Living with Graves. My name is Alita, and this is the first episode of my Living with Graves podcast. Welcome. So I was diagnosed with Graves disease when I was 19. And the first symptoms started around age 11 or 12. And it basically was heart palpitations that I was feeling. And I felt that that wasn't normal. I wasn't sure what it was. You know, it was a flutter in my chest. Wasn't quite sure what that was. I mean, that's that's young um, to be dealing with something like that and not understanding it. Um, so my mom also has, has Graves' disease and she was also diagnosed at the age of 19. She is now 79. So she was diagnosed actually through, um, I think, so my dad was in the Air Force and I think they were stationed over in Okinawa and it was an eye doctor that actually diagnosed um, my mom with Graves' disease. So it is in the family. And my youngest, who is 21, has Hashimoto's. So there's three generations right there with thyroid disease, thyroid issues. But going back to my story, so if you're here, you know what Graves' disease is. You probably have it. Um, You probably have a family member that has it or, you know, of a friend that maybe was just diagnosed and you're trying to help, you're trying to find, you know, some answers or find some resources. And, um, that's one of the reasons that I started this. I, so when I was diagnosed, not a lot of people, okay, that I knew that had it. My mom was the only one that had it. We went to a, uh, I think it was a Graves Disease Foundation, um, conference, God, and I maybe it was 1997. It was so long ago, and it was in Louisville, Kentucky. I can remember that we flew up. We were living in Florida at the time, <laughs> and I was the youngest. Like everybody was intrigued with me, and um, I met all these people with graves, but they were all older people, and. I think by the time, I might have been 20 by then, Um, but it was, you know, it it was crazy. It it was, I didn't know much about it. And this was pre-Facebook, pre-social media. You know, we didn't really have, God, I just started getting on internet probably 95-ish, maybe, And that was, you know, we had chat rooms. We had the Excite chat rooms. I think it was called Excite. It's too long ago. Um, So to go back with my diagnosis, um, somewhere around, gosh, um, I I don't even, things are so foggy because it's been so long. But somewhere around, um, high school, maybe, um, my dad had retired from the air force. We moved down to Florida and I just was not feeling right. Um, 
And of course, I again, when symptoms started around 11 or 12, you know, you things kind of get worse and worse slowly, but that's your normal. Okay, that's normal. You think that's normal. You go about your everyday life because that's just normal. That's how you that's how you feel. So they took me for blood work. Um, gosh, I might have been 15, 16, something like that. We had just moved down to Florida. So it was probably my freshman year, maybe around 15. Took me um, up to one of the military clinics and had blood work done because they had mentioned, you know, my mom has Graves disease and I was having these heart palpitations and the EKG looked fine and they did blood work. Now, back then, we didn't have antibodies tests for Graves or probably not antibodies tests for much of anything. So we, they tested me. I, you know what? I don't even remember what was tested. Probably T4, maybe TSH. Um, I don't even remember. It was, um, nobody, the doctors, nobody seemed concerned. And as the years went on, because that was normal, my blood work is normal, and we probably should have went back once a year. But again, the doctors didn't seem too concerned. Um, it wasn't proven back then that it was hereditary or there was any kind of hereditary uh, connection, genetics. So, you know, life went on. And I, I can't tell you the exact year that, you know, my hair started falling out or um, the shake started or my neck started swelling up or I, it just all, I even got bursitis. I had bursitis, um, probably close to my actual diagnosis. I got bursitis in my left knee because uh, I remember it was my left because that was my clutch, my clutch foot. And, um, I was a delivery driver for an auto parts place and I couldn't, use the clutch. My knee swelled up so bad. So every time I would go into the doctor, I was told, you know, um, like with the knee, they're like, oh, you know, um, you know, just keep it easy, you know, take it easy. We'll have to drain it if it, if it gets bad again and whatnot. Eventually it went away. I ended up getting bursitis in one of my elbows as well. And I'm like, this is not normal. It's to me, it's not, this is not normal. It was my normal, <clears throat> but not the norm. So, <laughs> um, that was, that was out of high school, but going back into high school, it really started hitting, I want to say around my junior year, um, where panic attacks started and those came on because, you know, you'd have heart palpitations and your heart would speed up and things like that. And it's, it's a psychological thing. 
where you're freaking out and your brain is telling you there's something wrong, this is not normal. And I would have a full-blown panic and anxiety attack and I'm laying on the ground and my mom's giving me a bag to breathe through, you know, so I don't hyperventilate and this and that. And this went on for quite a while. Um, I don't know the exact age that all this, this part of it transpired um, because through those couple years in high school around junior, senior year, I'd go to the walk-in clinic or something with, you know, a really bad sore throat or bad fever or whatnot that had nothing to do with, with Graves' disease. And they would mention, man, your heart rate is really high. Um, they would look at different things and not connect the pieces that this is all, you know, one thing. This is all around the thyroid. Um, so that, you know, that got frustrating. And, and I, a lot of that started when I first went, I think it was my freshman year, you know, when we actually had a blood test done. Um, but again, but again, when you're just testing for the thyroid levels and you're in the beginning stages, I mean, it's, it's slow going they're not going to find anything because there's no, you have to take that. You got to have the antibodies test. When my youngest daughter, who's now 21, um, because of my mom and I both have Graves disease. When my kids were born, I took them in. Um, it was about every probably three years and had blood work done for thyroid to keep an eye on that. And one of the doctors, uh, and I don't, I don't remember how old my kids were at this point, but they ran antibodies tests. I'm like, cool. I wish we had that when, you know, back in the 90s when, when I was finally diagnosed. And the antibodies test on hers showed, you know, that her thyroid was being attacked. And her body is attacking, you know, her, her body's attacking the thyroid. So... But the, all her thyroid levels were normal. And we actually went to the children's hospital in St. Pete in Florida and saw an endocrinologist. My daughter was on Medicaid at the time and they just brushed it off. Uh, they, oh, her levels are normal. Yeah, yeah, but her antibodies are really high. Yeah, but her levels, her thyroid levels are normal. So... So we just sit, you know, we just do nothing and let the body kill the thyroid and keep attacking it. It just doesn't make any sense to me. This is what I fought for when I was younger. Um, to have somebody listen and do something and not just, you know, I was not going to let this happen to my kid, uh, to what happened to me. So luckily this went the Hashimoto's way for my, for my kid. And she does have a very tiny, teeny, tiny nodule, but we are keeping an eye on this. And luckily because of the antibodies test, I was on top of it. So, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't that lucky. High school was miserable. Again, it really started to get bad 
that I can remember uh, junior year and my heart rate, well, by the time they diagnosed me at 19, my resting heart rate was 130 beats per minute. Yeah, just sitting there, sweating, (laughs) doing nothing, sitting on the couch on 130 beats per minute. And and I remember one of the doctors, like I said, I, I had gone in for like a sore throat or something and a fever. And, you know, and he mentioned, man, your, you know, your heart rate is, is high. Nobody was concerned at all. And <clears throat> when this happens, it, it really starts to wear on your psyche and the psychological damage, the trust, the, it, it's almost, uh, it's, and I don't want to use these terms like um, gaslighting and all that, but it's, it's, you know, doctors who are supposed to help you and it's taking you out of, you start to pull out of reality. It's almost like disassociation. You're like, well, maybe, you know, maybe it is all in my, maybe it's in my head. I had, I was seeing an OB, uh, OBGYN and I was, this one, I was 19 at this point. And I was at my breaking point. My hair was shedding. Like I, and I have very baby fine hair. So I can't lose any hair as it is. So I don't have a lot of it. Um, I was shedding hair like crazy. Um, I was skinny. I was, I would have literally five minimum of five bowel movements a day at this point um because my metabol everything was just running a mile a minute it was crazy my hands if you hold out your hands they were shaking really bad and I would have people say well well just relax just calm down so it you know when this just starts to wear on you and and when you you think it's in your head. So that's when I swear I have PTSD from going for so long with these symptoms and everybody telling me that basically that I was crazy. So, but by the time I went into the OB and it was like my yearly, uh, my yearly physical and a lot of it is hazy. I've really tried to block a lot of that stuff out. Um, but I know I went in and I was, I was a nut job, really. When I went in there, I asked her, dude, at this time, my neck was swollen. I had a goiter. Any doctor in their right mind would have seen my swollen neck. Seriously, not to mention the 130 some beat per minute heart rate, resting heart rate. Now, we didn't have the antibodies test back then, but blood work. I asked her to take blood. Simple, right? Simple. She didn't want to do it. She swore up and down that I did not have graves. She swore up and down. She looked me in the face and told me that I needed to see a head doctor. Who does that? 
What kind of doctor does that? It's a simple test. And, I, and their clinic was in a hospital. You have nurses that can do this. I, I was in tears. Like, I was in absolute tears. I was miserable at this point. And I, you know, I was, I was screaming at her and yelling. And I, again, I don't, I can't remember that far back to how I just, how miserable I was. I know that I was frantic. Um, I was already, you know, it was like I was on speed at this point. Um, so she finally took the blood and that next night, uh, I remember my dad worked for the city as an electrician and my mom was a, uh, aide on a school bus. So I don't know, it was like five third. It was late. It was, I thought, I think it was late at night. No, it was late when I got into the doctor. So I don't know, two or three, four o'clock in the afternoon, I get a call and it's the doctor and she is like, excuse the language, she's shitting her pants. Literally, she is freaking out over the phone. Okay, don't do that to a patient. I mean, first of all, she wouldn't listen to me and take the blood and I had to like scream at her to take it. And then you call panicking. This is that next night that my numbers were through the roof and that I needed to get in and see an endocrinologist like now. So, you know, I'm already freaking out, um, having panic attacks and this and that. So they radioed my mom, got a hold of my mom, I got a hold of my dad and the doctor found an endocrinologist that could see me after hours. And I think it was like around six o'clock that he would actually see me. And that's how that started. Um, I went in and he started me. He, he couldn't start me on anything yet. He had to get a thyroid scan. It's where you drink the horrible tasting dye. It's got, um, <clears throat> I think it's iron. Um, or iodine, not iron, sorry, <laughs> iodine, and with a dye so that your thyroid, uh, you know, so that it, it's like, it's like high, it's like contrast. And then I had to lay under this scanner thing um, for a while, and it just saw how fast, I guess it was, I, I really need to pull some old records um, and look back at these. It's something I've been wanting to do. Um, cause this doctor has retired and I don't know if I could find those records, but all the testing they did once and that was done, it, it was really hard when he did diagnose me somewhat. He knew, you know, he knew that I had a thyroid problem and, but he couldn't start me on, uh, it was PTU and, um, I can never say it. It's METH methadazole. Probably saying that wrong, um, but he couldn't start me on any of that until this scan was done, and I can't, I can't tell you how many days, and I can't tell you how quick he got me in. I don't even remember uh, from the time that he had seen me. So I, you know, but once he did start me on on the PT, it was like nine pills a day or some 
something crazy like that. And it got to a point where I would sit on the couch and, um, cause I was still living at home at this point, uh, working, um, I think I was working at night. I don't think I was working at this point cause I was just too, like I was sick. Um, but I could sit on the couch. I was just, I didn't know what it was like to be normal, quote unquote normal. And I was just sitting there. <laughs> there's no TV on, there's nothing. And I remember my mom came home from work and she's looking at me and she's like, what are you doing? You know, it's just quiet in there. I'm like, I'm sitting. And it was, I didn't know how to act. It was insane. And again, this was just taking medication to slow that thyroid down. I was very close to having a thyroid storm, cardiac arrest at this point um, when I was diagnosed. It was really, really bad. And then the problem happened when they, he gave me the PTU and every, you know, the, the medications slowed it down. Then I ended up, I wish I could go back to the decision of there was surgery, surgically removing it, or radioactive iodine, which is a pill that you swallow. The thyroid soaks up the iodine. It's... And it's, it's radiation. And I was 19. And again, this was in the 90s. We didn't have group, uh, support groups or forums or internet research or, you know, I, I knew nobody with grades at all. Mom had hers surgically removed because back then they didn't have radioactive iodine uh, treatment. And whether I had surgery or this radioactive iodine that I had, I don't know if I would have had a different outcome with Graves' eye disease because now I have Graves' eye disease as well. So they killed it with that radioactive iodine. And probably three or four months, it was three to six months, it wasn't longer than six months that I noticed and nobody really said anything. That's the weird thing. Doctors, nobody said anything when I think about it. But I noticed as I was started to lay down, you know, at night, like the pillow was kind of pushing on my eyes and I'm thinking, that's weird. And again, not thinking too much about it. And then... And then my eyes kind of being poofy in the morning. And I'm thinking, I didn't sleep good. Um, but so after he killed it, they didn't start me on anything. And an endocrinologist that I saw in Sarasota for about two years uh, before I moved out of the state said that it should have been treated right away. The Because you go hypo. It should have been treated right away. So he thinks, again... We don't know. They don't really have an understanding on the Graves' eye disease because some people get it and some people don't. You know, did the radioactive iodine have anything to do with it? Did killing it so quickly 
we slowed it down, but then we killed it. And then nothing. And then I went hypo. And, and then my eyes, you know, started. So, and I was only on T4, which is Synthroid. I was on T4. That's all I was put on. The one endocrinologist told me that I should have been on T3 as well, which is uh, Cytomel. And as I was getting older, <clears throat> you know, because your body takes the T4 and convert some of that into T3. And not everybody's body can convert, you know, because this is synthetic. This isn't, you know, your body's not producing this. This is synthetic. Um, yeah, so it's just, it was just a big mess. It was, everything was rushed. I would go back and I would have it surgically removed and especially today it's been a couple decades it's been several decades um that surgery has come so far like it's come a long way that I would have no issues going in and having it surgically removed now and I feel like at age 19 not only just being young but just not being really I was really pushed towards that radioactive iodine big time you know he would tell me about the surgery and how is a lot more risks with the surgery because I mean risks come with every surgery you know you can cut facial nerves whatever and he basically scared me away from that. Um, even though my mom's was successful and she had hers done. You know, it was in the 60s, crazy. And she was fine. So, um, so now I, I suffer from Graves' eye disease. And that's, that's another, that'll be um, an episode on here because I'm actually... It's been so long since I've had it that we're talking about orbital decompression surgery. Um, I know that Tepez is out, but because mine had my Graves Eye disease has been since the 90s, um, I don't even want to waste trying. Um, I, I don't. I don't think they've done any trials on people like me that have had the eye disease for this long and, and did Tepeza, it seems to be for, for those that, you know, not are actively, you know, that have just had it, have gotten it and the flare ups have kind of simmered down, I guess. Um, and I, and, you know, and my, uh, neuro ophthalmologist says that it's worked for some people, but then it doesn't, some people doesn't do anything. And now, now it can cause hearing loss and some other side effects. So, and it's and I, I'm a graphic designer, so I stare at a screen all day, and it is, it's miserable. Um, it's it's very, you know, I get home and I'm exhausted, and it's, I'm exhausted, and I have eye fatigue, and 
it's, you know, I had eyelid surgery on my right eye. I had um, eyelid retraction surgery to bring that down because I was too chicken shit to, to do the orbital decompression surgery because it just, you know, back then it just wasn't, I, I just don't think it was sophisticated enough back then, the surgery. Um, I mean, we didn't even have antibodies tests <laughs> for Graves. And you want to go digging behind my eyeballs. So, I don't know. I was just really freaked out. And I was young. So, that's something um, I'm going to do my uh, I'm gonna do my journey on that. Uh, like I said, I just had the orbital CT scan today. And I've had one done before, but it was a million years ago. Oh, my gosh. And it was done differently. That's what I'm saying. Technology has changed a lot. It was done differently back then. And I, I sat there longer back then this one today took 30 seconds she's like okay we're done I'm like we're done that's crazy <laughs> so but that's that's um yeah so we're gonna have I'm gonna have an episode on that so the whole point of this podcast is I'm telling my story we, for Graves' disease, we do have some forums out there. We have one uh, I haven't really been on. There's not a lot of people on it. It's called um, One Graves Voice. So OneGravesVoice.com. And it is by, uh, what is it, um, Graves' Disease and Thyroid Foundation, so I had joined them, I think it was like, it was the National Graves Disease Foundation, I think is how it started out. It, they didn't, um, I don't know if it had thyroid in it, but anyway. So they started this, and it's a forum, and I don't know, it's not, you know, it's not active. Like, I would really love to have something that's active, like, like Facebook is really active. There's a lot of people in there. Um. But I don't, for me, I don't, I have, I don't meet people and, and learn their stories and hear their stories. Um, at, at my age and everything I've been through, I know that I can help um, just even be a voice, or, you know, an, an ear to listen um, to what is, you know, to other people going through this. Um so that's why I'm here. I'm going to be doing an episode. My next episode, I believe, will be my... I'm going to let my mom tell her story. And, and then you can kind of... It's interesting because, again, hers was done. Hers was crazy. Um, she got as bad as I did. Really bad. She was losing hair. She got real skinny. Um, very angry and irritable very irritable. Um, I'd like to get some of my old, my best friends on here since I've had from high school and everything. And they, they'll tell you, I was just, a, I was horrible. I was miserable. And I was just crabby and irritable. But at this point, it's like, can you blame me? I was sick. I was really sick. And doctors weren't listening. So yeah, again, I, I, I want to be able to bring conversation and 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 help and 
just, you know, bring a community of, of others that have had it maybe as long as me or those people that just stumbled across this because they were just diagnosed and they're like, hey, you know, they, they're researching Graves' disease and they've come across this podcast. So that's the whole point of this podcast. Um, so I am, you know, going to connect with people. Um, you know, just I still have many stories of my life, of things that I went through. It is... I can tell you if you're new and you were just new, you know, uh, recently diagnosed, find a therapist. I mean, you can get everything kind of on track with what you're going through. Find a therapist, find a counselor, find a psychologist. Um, because this is not, I think everybody who goes through this, it, at least, again, I, it's totally different era. So, but I don't know how doctors are now. It's, it, I still think there's an issue in the medical, you know, in the system. And it's hit or miss whether you find a doctor that says, hey, you know, I've seen this or I know this or I know this and I know this great endocrinologist. You have to see an endocrinologist. You have to see a specialist. You cannot let your primary or... A doctor that's not a specialist. So an endocrinologist for your Graves, and if you have Graves eye disease, you need to find a neuro-ophthalmologist, which I know is very difficult for people, especially if they don't live near big cities. Um, They are very rare. I know the the lady told me, gosh, there's not many in this world. It's not many at all. Um... So that's where university hospitals come and play. Uh, Denver, Colorado has a neuro-ophthalmologist. At least they did when I was living there for a couple years. Um, OSU in Columbus. Um, I love the doctor that I see for neuro-ophthalmology. He has really, really turned me on to this orbital decompression surgery that, again, I didn't want to have done decades ago. And now I'm thinking of it. I'm 48, but that's still young. You know, I still have, you know, um, a good life ahead of me. So I'm tired of the dryness, the ache, you know, everything that comes with uh, Graves' eye disease, for those of you who also have that. Or if you're just here because you just have Graves' eye disease, uh, I have both. So you don't have to have just Graves' disease to get anything, you know, to get, um, something from this podcast. So with that, that's kind of what I wanted to do in the first episode. Just, you know, (laughs) this podcast is not nothing formal. I don't have a podcast studio. I'm doing this in my home. I have a dog. I, you know, I live with the family right now, so it can be noisy in the background and, it's, it's just nothing fancy. We're here just to talk about Graves' disease. And I will talk about my Graves' eye disease as well. Um, and connect with you guys. If you want to reach out, I'm on Facebook, Living with Graves. Just go into your Facebook. I don't have anything up yet. 
um, well, when this podcast, this podcast will be posted on there, the link um, for you to uh, go listen to it. But I don't have much else on there yet as I'm just starting this out. Um, I will also have an email. I will post once everything is um, caught up and I have this podcast posted, I will make sure that I have the email and I want people to reach out. I want stories. I want, you know, um, I, I was just in this, um, the one Graves voice today and there is uh, someone on here, I don't know if it's a mother or father talking about their son who's dealing with the Graves or the eye, eye disease. And it's pretty rare in, in males. I've never met a male with Graves disease. It's pretty interesting um, how that works. So, but I'm wanting to connect um, anyone who wants to tell their story. Um, it would be great to have you on here and connect as a community and help each other and help those new people. You know, um, just people that stumble across this, and I'm hoping that it helps. So thanks for listening, and um, uh, next podcast episode should be interviewing my mom so you can hear her story and kind of see how close her story is, kind of like mine. She does not have the Graves' eye disease. She does have myasthenia gravis. Um, which affects her eyes. So Graves' disease and myasthenia gravis. Interesting. I'd like to know if any of you out there have Graves and myasthenia gravis. That would be interesting to meet um, another person like that. So I will be back for an episode two. And find me on Facebook for now. I will be on other social media. But I will be there um, to get started. And yeah, I hope to meet some great people, make some connections and hear your stories. All right. Thanks.